0: Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, Season 3. This podcast is for and about people getting ready for their first ever pilgrimage on the Camino de Santiago in Spain, France, and Portugal. With your host, Camino guide, and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. Hey, guess what, Pilgrims? No matter how much you plan and prepare for your Camino, there still will be surprises. Things you didn't expect or see coming. Ups and downs you could not have foreseen. Maybe even plot twists. Hi, this is Nancy, and in this episode, we will be hearing from two Pilgrims who you met in Season 2, Episodes 8 and 9 Andrea and Jason. They walked the Camino Frances in May and June this year, and they are here to tell you all about their experience. What I love about this episode is how honest they are in sharing the good, the bad, and the ugly, as Andrea calls it. It wasn't a walk in the park. There were some really tough times and things they definitely would do differently if they were to walk the Camino again. Our conversation reminds me that this is a pilgrimage. It's not meant to be a walk in the park. There is no one right way to do it. And you won't get it right, right out of the gate. Walking the Camino is a journey. It begins the moment you say yes and continues on, long after you reach Santiago de Compostela. As Andrea and Jason share their experiences, I encourage you to take it all with some perspective. Ask yourself, what can I learn from this? What experience do I want to have? And perhaps even more important, check in to see if you are even planning the same walk that they did. Maybe you will be walking a different route, or maybe you will walk a part of your chosen route rather than the, quote, entire route. And I put the word entire in quote marks because regardless of how far you walk, you will be doing an entire pilgrimage, if that is your heart's intention. I am so grateful to have been able to meet Andrea and Jason on the trail not once, but three times. They are both such beautiful people and such an inspiration to me. I hope you will feel the same. Before we get to our conversation, I have just a couple things to update you on. On Friday, September 1st, I will be opening registration for all of my 2024 Camino Frances Getting Started groups. If you are on my email list, you will be getting information about that by email, including a special offer for anyone who signs up by Sunday, September 3rd, which is my birthday. When you join my email list, I will also send you a copy of my Camino Planning Roadmap, which, by the way, is the roadmap I use with my groups and with the DIY Do-It-Yourself Camino planning program I will be introducing in mid-September. See, that roadmap is pretty generic, but you are unique. So when you join one of my groups, we work together to personalize the roadmap and your Camino plans. And we do that by diving deeply into every topic on the roadmap together. To get the roadmap and join my email list, simply follow the link in the show notes. And if you are listening on Audible and you can't click through the link, you can just copy and paste it into your web browser. Now, the other update is about the webinar I mentioned in the last episode, the one that's coming up on September 15th and 16th. I am excited to share with you that I will be launching my DIY, do it yourself, Camino planning program that weekend. And anyone who attends the webinar we'll get first access and a special offer. And the other update on that is that the Saturday webinar will be at 9 a.m. instead of 10 a.m. as I said in last week's episode. And that's so that we can accommodate as many time zones as possible. The one on Friday, September 15th will be at 5 p.m. Now, those are both California time, by the way. And finally, I will reveal the topic for that webinar in next week's episode. For now, I'll just say that if you are in the early stages of planning your Camino, you won't want to miss this webinar. If you are listening to this episode after September 16, 2023, you can find out all the current stuff that's going on on my website, thecaminoexperience.com. Now, let's say hello to Andrea and Jason. Hey, guys. Hi, Nancy. Hi, so good Nancy. To see you. It's great to see you both. I have been dying to know how your Camino turned out because we got to see each other in Saint Jean Pied du Port and then again in Pamplona. And then I. And kept... in oh, that's right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I got to hear from you the whole way, but I haven't heard from you since you finished, except for uh, we made it, we're home and we're glad we're home. <laughs> so, just a reminder that Andrea and Jason were with me in season two, episodes eight and nine. And so if you want to listen to the pre-Camino story, as well as all the incredible questions they asked that I know you were all waiting to get the answers to, that's a great, those are two great episodes to listen to. But now we get to hear what happened and how it all went, and they have promised me the good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's <laughs> let's get to that. How about we start with putting the pin in the map? Would you remind us where you started, where you finished, and how long you took to walk the Camino?
1: Uh, we started in Saint Jean Pied de Port, and we ended up in Santiago de Compostela. Walked the, of course, the Camino Francaise. and it took us thirty-one days, with a not really a stop in there, but we couldn't walk for a few days because we both got sick. Sort of like um, that's part of the the bad and the ugly part. <laughs> um, but it was it was five days in the middle of there that we had to uh, skip ahead uh, day by day because we had already booked our reservations. Uh, so we had five days sick in a in a cab from town to town
0: oh what fun
2: (laughs) (laughs) definitely wasn't part of the plan
0: yeah isn't that interesting there always are things that aren't part of the plan and you both did some some pretty diligent planning yes very Very diligent
2: planning and and that was part of the experience of the Camino is really to realize that no matter how much research you do or planning in advance, you have to adapt and adjust. And we were certainly surprised by many things that we found once we showed up.
0: Oh, wow. I want to hear all about those, but let's start with, let's start with the good. Let's start with what did you love about walking the Camino?
1: Well, you know, Andrea and I started our pilgrimage on May 16th, leaving from New York. You know, they say when you step out your front door, that's when you're beginning your pilgrimage. And that was our two-year anniversary from our first date. And, oh, I got um, chills. <laughs> <laughs> and since then, I mean, we knew we were already on our own personal pilgrimage through life together. And uh, in April, we went to Puerto Rico uh, for Andrea's birthday. and. I proposed and surprised her. And she said yes. So it was sort of like, um, I don't know, the the Camino felt like it was, it brought us together even closer than we were before. And, you know, we both feel that it it was sort of like emblematic of our marriage. It was like, oh, this was, you know, you can say for rich or for poor through sickness or in health, but then you get out on the Camino and you go through. (laughs) you know, rich moments and not so rich moments and, and sickness. And, and we did not uh, have one disagreement. We were in complete lockstep the whole way. I mean, cause it's a real, you know, test on an individual level sure. but then to do it together. I think that was, you know, for me, you know, it brought us, you know, closer together uh, than we we thought we could.
2: I I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And I said to Jason that it felt like a rite of passage into married life. Um, And I celebrate that with all of my heart. You know, my brother joked with us that if he had done this with his wife, it would take them 50 meters to get into a fight. (laughs) We only strengthened that sense of partnership and companionship and support with each other. So that was really special and i really enjoyed the segments and the stretches when we were really out in the wild in nature away from highways away from the industrial suburbs and that we could really connect with the landscape around us with the the wild animals we saw some uh, some pretty cool wild animals along the way so so that was my favorite part um you know i i kind of hoped for more. There were long stretches, as you know, of, you know, uh, the, the surroundings are not so pleasant to be in, but uh, when they are, they are phenomenal.
0: Isn't that the truth? Yeah. So someone argue that that's the nature of pilgrimage, is yep. that it's not meant to be a scenic tour. It's not meant to be a walk in the park. It's meant to have some of the challenges and some of the less pretty parts. So how did you deal with those when you came across those?
2: Buckle up and keep going.
1: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I think, good.
2: thankfully, also with a sense of humor, you know, yeah. so I think we, we had a balance of like giving each other space because there were moments where we felt grumpy or really tired or you know, stressed by the traffic or by the noise or by the circumstances we were facing. And when you need that time and that space, we were able to provide that to each other. But we would also, you know, sing and make jokes and <laughs> just uh, put the, the sense of humor to to work to get through those those moments.
1: Yeah, sometimes you just have to put your head down and grin and bear it like we i can't remember where exactly we were on the camino but it was a long stretch of walking next to the highway you know and it started to rain rain is fine it's being next to the highway when it's pouring down rain and (laughs) andrea did not wait one sec she's like i'll I'll see you there (laughs) i'm like i can't Keep a, she's you know, she's fast like and strong. Four inches shorter than I am, but her her stride <laughs> and her pace was just so you know, we get there and and wring out your clothes and stuff like that. But it is just um sometimes it's about supporting one another and sometimes it's about just self-preservation in a you know in, in a light way. It's not like screw you, I'm gonna save myself. You know, it was more like <laughs> the only way I can get through this is to barrel through. Mm-hmm. and you know we we're at different places energy wise on days so one would slow down one would speed up depending uh, that was the you know part of the good part it was that we were compromising what we might have done um to get through but yeah grin and bear it mm. and and also know while we were doing it you know <laughs> when you're on a pilgrimage yes exactly to your point there's going to be tough tough times. And that's the only way that you're going to learn anything about yourself and learn anything about one another. But in in the moment, it, it's, it couldn't be more unpleasant. It, it's only in hindsight can do you find the reward in the tough times. Mm, and so good when point. there plentiful of rough times, then you're going, oh, I can't wait till this is over so I can reflect on this and go, oh, wasn't that great? Didn't I learn (laughs) that?
0: (laughs) I love that. But it's really important to note that this is, it's not the walk in the park. There will be difficult times.
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. I think that was one of the, you know, with all of the research that we did, listening to your podcast, I mean, we listened to every episode and maybe a few, a couple of times before we left. And then there are people on youtube have youtube channels that we watch you're not going to show video or talk about i mean you would you know talk about uh all the ups and downs but you don't see like on youtube the 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 times you're walking by the highway for three hours in the rain so that kind of even if it was said it wasn't in you know put into our brain so there was That was kind of a surprise, even though we had heard, oh, it's going to be rough sometimes or it's going to the elevation goes up or the elevation goes down. And that's another thing that was tricky is, you know, after Ross's vice, that's not the the end of the difficult that it might be the most challenging part on day one. Yeah. But there are plenty of opportunities for it to be just as grueling, particularly because you aren't just starting. Mm -hmm. You might be day Twenty in and you're going down a steep incline on boulders that are very misshapen um you're going over large rocks small rocks pebbles sand mud and on the steep angle if you don't have trekking poles ladies and gentlemen you're screwed (laughs) because you use those trekking poles with my plan.
2: we uh after zubiri we were like okay we need knee braces and and for the listeners that don't know zubiri is the like after Zubi, it would be the third day. And the first thing we did in the morning was find a pharmacy and get knee braces. Mm. And I think that was one of the misleading concepts that I had personally. And I heard it even from our host in Saint-Jean-Pierre-de-Port. You know, people would say, oh, pont is the toughest day, is the toughest climb. It's the first day, right? Mm. And then after that, it gets easier. And for us, it didn't. For mm-hmm. me personally... You know, I think I had the expectation that after the first week, my body would adapt, it would get used to the backpack, and it didn't. In fact, it was a cumulative effect of tiredness and pain and soreness. And like all the way to the last day, I didn't get quote unquote used to the long hours of walking and to the, you know, the toll that it takes in your body to do that.
0: That brings up a, a really great point, though, especially for people who think, oh, I'll just train on the trail. Well, I've done that. And it kind of works, but it doesn't always work and it doesn't work for everyone. And so the surprise is that you have to discover for yourself what the experience of walking long hours is.
2: Yeah. And then so the, the the training on the trail point brings me to, I think, like the 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 biggest surprise for us. Mm-hmm was how shocked people seemed to be when we said that we were doing the whole Camino in 31 days. So if you look at the, you know, guides that are out there, some of the most popular guides, they break the Camino down into 31 stages. Mm -hmm. And we were naive (laughs) to think that, well, if this is what the guide recommends, we can do it. I think it's very aggressive to do the, you know, 780 kilometers or 500 miles in 31 days. And if you have 40, 50, 60 days and you're doing shorter miles, or if you don't do the full Camino from San Jean-Pierre de Port to Santiago and you do it in chunks, or you just choose to do, you know, a portion of it, I think you get maybe the the benefit of letting your body get used to it over time and you can be more relaxed we really committed to doing you know end-to-end in 31 days and jason mentioned that we had to skip a segment when we were sick and that we ended up taking cabs to kind of make up for the lost time and still even though we did that we had plenty of days that we had to do more than 30 kilometers in a day and it was brutal
0: Wow. Yeah. Those long days are hard.
1: Yeah. I, when I describe it to friends, you know, we, you know, like we walk six to eight hours a day mm-hmm. and they'd say, well, what was it like? It, and I say, well, you, you'd get up and you have a cup of coffee and a piece of toast. Cause that's all you can get at that time of morning. And I thought, Oh, surely there's something. Nope. It is. If you're lucky, if you're not up too early, because there were a couple of times that we asked, can we get coffee at, you know, seven? I know you don't open until eight, but can we get coffee at seven? We weren't even leaving that early, like 6 a.m. Have coffee. so And then you walk for two hours, two and a half hours. Then you have second breakfast, which is almost always and exclusively the tortas. You know, maybe another croissant. <laughs> and, and sometimes you might find a piece of fruit it was just the pickings were a lot slimmer f- for food than I thought mm-hmm. so then after that second breakfast and you walk for another two two and a half hours then you stop for lunch and then you walk for another two two and a half hours and eventually we we got this break was for ice cream and a cause lemon or a diet Coke to get through the last two hours mm-hmm. and then you you drag your butt into the town sit down and have two beers and then you like Ah, uh, and then you're exhausted,
0: yeah,
1: so there wasn't much time for although there really like, kind of literally wasn't time to i don't know stop and see something that I thought I would see along the way in my mind these these little towns were maybe more picturesque than they actually were, and maybe there was gonna be something you could you know uh, stop and have a snack or something i mean you could you could stop and have a snack. But it was still the same kind of very limited uh, menu of things along the way. So you get in, and then you're just exhausted, and all you want to do is eat and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And you hear that you get up, you walk, you eat, you go to bed, you get up, and you repeat that. But that's truly exclusively what uh, what it is until you're in a you know a, a big town like Leon or LaGronia or Burgos, where you can, if you have energy. Go out for a couple of hours before you want to go to bed, so it was. Even you know, my friends, their jaws drop, and it's it's hard because you want to be truthful, like the yeah. way we want to be truthful with you and and your listeners. At the same time, I I enjoyed it overall. You know, it wasn't like, oh, why did I do that? That was the most horrible time of my life. And exactly, back again to your point, that's what a pilgrimage is: ups and downs. And at the end of it all, then you. You sort of calculate its worth to you.
2: Mm. One of the things that I would suggest to, you know, friends and if anybody asks for my opinion or advice would be to plan zero kilometer days in some of these more interesting towns. Sure. You know, Estela, Logroño, Burgos, Pomplona just take the time Mm -hmm. if you can afford to take the time to just spend the full day in because they are the most interesting places where you would have perhaps a museum or a better restaurant to go to and plazas and to just take in the towns we didn't have the time to do that and Jason uh, pointed out that even if we got to the town with some time to spare, we were just so tired from the walk that you don't really want to go explore and put in no. more steps than what you already did.
0: All you want to do is be horizontal on your bed.
1: <laughs> That's right
0: That's it. Horizontal time. Yeah. So if we look at this from a planning perspective, hmm. when you planned your thirty one day itinerary, did you think about what your rest days were be would be? zero days or rest days or? Did you simply make a walking plan?
2: So we didn't plan rest days because again, we we were going by the guides Mm. and the guides have no break days. And we, you know, had commitments at home that we had to be back to. So it's like 31 days is what we have. We're going to break it down according to the guides And we, you know, in the beginning, we felt that maybe staying off stages. And for the benefit of the listeners that don't know what that is, in the guides, they recommend the towns where you spend the night. And we were trying to either spend the night in the town before that or stretch and spend the night in the town after that to avoid like more crowded accommodations. But there were a couple of things that happened that I think changed the the way that we thought about it. One is after three nights in shared dorms, in albergues, in bunk beds, <laughs> we looked each other in the eye and say, we're not cut out for this.
0: Ah, I love it.
2: <laughs> so we decided to uh, stay in private rooms with private bathrooms where we could find them because it wasn't always possible. And I want to emphasize this, they are, you know, they kind of not so plantful. So we couldn't always find that. But we also realized that to increase our chances to have that that private room, we had to book in advance considering how busy the Camino was when we were there. So that kind of forced us into the decision to book our rooms several days in advance. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had... Locked in how many miles we were going to walk until we got to our destination where we had a reservation. And then the other thing that uh, we ended up making an adjustment on was to we pretty much settled for the stages for because what we realized is the towns that are recommended as a the end of a stage are recommended as the end of a stage for a reason. For a
0: reason, <laughs> exactly. <They have>
2: pharmacies <laughs> and ATMs and, you know, better restaurants or food options, more options of accommodations. Yeah. So over time, and, and the other thing is, to Jason's point, the, the small little towns, they don't really feel that interesting, you know, no mm-hmm. offense, but we felt like we would be better off sticking with the stages. And uh, to make a long answer short, we, um, you know, we ended up planning during the Camino, our stays and booking rooms, but we hadn't planned any, any rest days going into it. We had the forced rest days when we got sick and we were basically sleeping for five days.
1: Wow. I think we had COVID just the way that, because I had it before there was any, Vaccination back in mm-hmm. 2020, and the the feeling that you get after you get a shot that's what I felt like this the cough that didn't go away you know until like maybe even last week it just stuck around it you know so it was an upper respiratory infection I had it for two days and then Andre had for two days and then on the fifth day we were just like okay let's walk six kilometers to see how we feel and can we get back into it and then we started up again and I think however we got it the the breakdown of our system came from, I think we did a couple of at least we did a 30 plus kilometer day the day before we got sick. Okay. And then there was a torrential rainstorm and it got really, really cold out of the blue. So we're like, oh maybe we're just a little sick and then just wiped us out.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I have a I have a theory that with COVID, when if you try to exercise or do ex- more activity than usual when you have COVID. My theory is that it grabs on tighter. <laughs> it just oh, yeah. kind of sticks with you. Yeah, yeah. Because I actually brought home a souvenir case of COVID from yeah. my trip this year. Yeah, and and it was a solid three weeks before I had my energy back. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and after about two weeks, I decided to go kayaking for about an hour and I was wiped out for three days. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's a plot twist.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell when you're doing such aerobic and strenuous. And we were both in really good shape, you know, so we thought this would be easy. But then, because that was day 12, right, babe? And so then we had all the rest of, you know, 19 days ahead of us. So it was probably added to the discomfort of of the
2: the It was also a blessing in disguise, you know, in hindsight. It really forced us to stop. Yeah. And rest. And for me, there was a major shift that says my body has a wisdom mm. and it has a voice that I should and need to listen to more. Yeah. So when I'm tired, I'll stop. If I am hot, I will look for a way to cool down. If it takes me longer to get to my destination, fine. But pushing through the signs of my body that were saying, you pushing me too far, it would get me nowhere. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. It'll actually put you on the
2: bench. I don't know if Jason relates to this, but after we got sick and then, you know, started walking again, I was definitely more relaxed.
0: Hmm. Mm. Okay. So that's interesting. There's a, there's sort of a pressure or a stress to keep going and to meet the distance each day. Can you say more about that?
2: Yeah, there is a, you know, this drive that it's like, let's not take an extra five or 10 minutes, because that means an extra five or 10 minutes at the end of the day that, you know, is pushing into later in the afternoon. And you just want to get to your destination so that you can have that beer, you can have that food, you can have that shower and listen, it's a motivator. Don't get me wrong.
0: (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs)
2: It's a motivator. But to say, you know what, Arif, if I get there half an hour later or an hour later, but have a more pleasant journey while I'm walking and Mm -hmm. to just really take care of your bodies, you're asking them for a lot.
0: Yes. And carrying a backpack because you both carried your your backpacks the whole way. Yeah, we
2: did. And we were in Incredibly. I'm very proud of (laughs) what we did going into it. We were very diligent with what we packed and, you know, really kept the backpacks to a minimum. We had one change of clothes. Uh, we shared toiletries so that we were not, ex- you know, carrying extra ounces, because as Nancy would say, ounces add up to pounds and pounds piece you off. <laughs> <laughs> so our backpacks couldn't be lighter. We And after we decided to stay in private rooms, we uh, stopped at Puente La Reina mm-hmm. and went to the post office and shipped the sleeping bags that we had packed uh, from home. So that created extra room and made the backpacks lighter. So that was really smart that we did that. But even with a super light backpack, it it was challenging to you know carry it for the for the full way. And maybe another hint or tip for the listeners is if you feel like you need to bring more than like one change of clothes and just the bare essential uh, toiletries with you, use the shipping uh, services from town to town because not carrying that backpack, I think, would make a huge difference on your experience. Yeah,
1: yeah. not to mention your knees.
0: Right, your whole, your knees, your hips, your feet—all of it take it takes a toll. Yeah, yeah. We
1: saw people where, you know, having backpacks that looked like they were going to camp out. They were so huge, and people who were doing shorter walks than we were they were older i maybe they just felt like they needed to have however much stuff they needed to have they had it on their back and i was i didn't know how they were doing it yeah but we were kind of blowing past those people not you know we just had this 31 day and some people that we met this lovely couple from south carolina who had sold their house were retired and didn't know where they were going to move so all their stuff was in storage and whatever they were bringing on their back was what they, and they were going to stay as long as it took. Wow. But there were people that had the opportunity to take zero days on a, on the fly, Yeah. which seemed to be like, oh, that was, that's very ideal. But unfortunately, you know, and we gave ourselves five weeks, two and a half or three days on either side yeah. to get to Spain and, and back home from Spain. And then the 31 days on the Camino solid. So we thought we had given ourselves plenty of time. Yeah. Yeah. lightening the backpack was a huge thing to do for us. Yeah,
0: well, you know, it seems to me that yes, you can carry that weight, but you're going to have a better experience if you carry less,
1: mm-hmm.
0: whatever that starting point is. Yeah. I'm sure you could do it. And many people will say, no, I got this 20 pounds or however many kilos that is no problem. Yes. You can do it, but the toll on the body will be less if you carry less
2: more power to them and yes and and what we considered actually starting using the shipping services but we had packed so little (laughs) because I was like okay even if you're shipping your bag while you're on the trail you probably want to have a pair of Mm flip-flops you want to have some water and some sunscreen you might want to have
1: rain gear, you know, rain gear
2: and yeah. the upper like a, a light backpack because we always started the morning with like three layers by midday you you're shedding all those layers so long story short I almost felt like if I were to pack a smaller bag I would be pretty much repacking my entire backpack with the exception of like a pound or two yeah so at that point it didn't feel like it would make a huge difference for us Yeah. but I agree with you that you know, if I would say if your backpack leaving home, it's that rule of like 10% of your body weight, we had less than 10% of our body weight leaving home with the water, it was about 10% of our body weight. And it was absolutely the limit for me.
0: Mm. And neither one of you is very big, right? You're both you're both in great shape and on the lean side. So yeah, you know, one tip for not for, not for you guys, cause you've already walked, but for the listeners is when you're walking with a couple or a group or people who you are absolutely certain you're going to the same places every day, what you can do is buy an extra small, inexpensive bag. Once you get to Spain and each of you offload a few pounds and send that one bag ahead, still carry your backpack with all those essentials, but you don't need the toiletries during the day and you don't need, you know, a couple other things. So that's one of the tricks that I've done.
2: I think that's a great idea. And for what it's worth, you know, we would arrive at albergues and see the bags there and see, you know, as we pass through towns, the trucks and vans picking up the bags. It's a very reliable service from what we could tell, even though we didn't experience them directly. Yeah.
0: I've used them since, ever since I started leading groups in 2012, I always use luggage transport and it has been incredibly reliable. So, highly recommended if that helps people complete the journey.
1: Yeah. And to do it, enjoying it while you're doing it. That's a good goal. You're probably going to curse every once in a while. I, I mean, sometimes I saw people who were, were not in great shape and who are older. And, you know, even when they're walking in town, looks like it might be, you know, difficult to get around just the way, and it's probably just cumulative from how much they've been walking. But to go down these steep inclines, and I'm not uh, uh, declines. I'm I'm not trying to discourage anybody from doing it. Uh, but it was a lot more challenging because I remember leave, leave before we left, and doing the research. You know, hearing about people of all ages doing it. And I thought, oh well, that's that's great. It's going to be easier if people of all ages can do it. Well, all people, you know, people of all ages who really have, you know, are determined to to do this and you know, make sacrifices in their comfort. Uh, I, I'm very athletic. I've always really loved challenges and sweating and getting into difficult, strenuous situations. And I thought, oh, it's probably not going to be nearly as bad as some other things that I've done, like hiking the Grand Canyon or anything like that, uh, or or the Himalayas. And it really surprised me. I felt it was going to be more, not paths like like rail trails or anything like that. Yeah. It was, it was the surprise factor for me.
0: Yeah, and and the I think the important thing to note is that there's a variety of terrain. So there are those long stretches when you're right on the highway, and there are a couple times when there are semi trucks whizzing by you, and there's the trail that's super steep and full of scree and loose rocks, and mm. and that lasts for you know four kilometers. Or there's that descent into Molina Seca that is
1: just that yes molina seca oh my god <laughs>
0: either people haven't mentioned it or people forget and then they go what was that no one told me about that yeah <laughs> so we're mentioning it now the descent into molina seca from manjarin i think it is yeah
2: well yeah Monjardin. let's just say from the it,
0: cross of iron cruz de ferro that's
2: right it's a, a, after afonse badon and then you keep going down Can I mention something? That was the other aspect of the guides. Maybe we didn't read them closely enough, but that I want to share with the listeners is when you look at the itinerary and the mapping of the, the route, there are little dots, right, that show where you will come across a Pueblo or a little village. Yeah. And I had made the assumption that those dots represented a bathroom, (laughs) some shade, uh, a place to buy food or, you know, refill my water. That's not always the case. In Mm -mm. fact, I would say rarely that's the case. Mm. You might pass, you know, a little village where you see farm homes or barns at the distance, But it doesn't mean that there is any infrastructure there to support the pilgrims. So you have to be prepared for pretty long stretches. And I mean, hours Mm -hmm. where you don't have a place to buy food. You don't have a bathroom to go to. You don't have a place to sit down unless you sit down right on the trail. (laughs) You may not have shade or shelter from the rain. So those little dots are misleading. Yeah, you're going to see some kind of like man-built, you know, facility, but they are not necessarily open for pilgrims or supporting the pilgrims.
0: It's a great point. Did you, let me ask, did you use an app or a guidebook?
1: An app we used, I'm forgetting the name of it right now. Let's see if I can pull it up.
0: Buen Camino or Wise Pilgrim?
1: Wise Pilgrim. Wise Pilgrim. Yeah. And I wish I would have compared and contrast Buen Camino, like about halfway through, I was looking at Buen Camino and there was more Tourist information, like a little more in depth about this church or about Mm -hmm. that, and and, uh, Wise Pilgrim had the essentials of how many kilometers and what facilities, bathroom, pharmacy that you might be able to find in a particular town, and a little bit because it's newer. I think it's a newer app, and so but it got us through, you know, giving us the information. Yeah, yeah,
0: good, and that and that's a really key point. I recommend to people that they compare before they go, get both the apps. There are many, but the top two that I like are Buen Camino and Wise Pilgrim and compare them and see how you like your information presented because not everybody reads things the same way or understands things the same way. Yeah. And so just to play around with those and especially the first few days on the trail to look at the app and see this is what it says and this is what I'm seeing. Does it match? Hmm. And how do I interpret the information? Those first few days getting to know your app are are really important, I think.
2: Yeah, they were super helpful. And um, Jason, I thought of you often and and I'm going to say here before I forget that for me, one of the highlights of the Camino for sure was meeting you in person, spending time with you. It was so great.
0: I love that. And we would
2: often, you know, bring up your name. And one day we said, oh, remember, Nancy, uh, in the podcast, you often talk about the superpower that you're going to bring with you to the Camino. And I was like, I wonder if we discovered any superpowers. And for me, not that I didn't know this about myself before, but uh, speaking Spanish was a huge help and using the app. You know, to be able to see where we could get accommodations and then yeah. using WhatsApp to communicate directly with Dale Vegas in very Spanish slick. was super helpful. Yeah. And and uh, in the spirit of uh, of comedy here, keeping it light, I also discovered that I can squat down and pee anywhere very fast. <laughs> <you know? laughs> and that came handy. And Jason is a great hand washer of clothes, like his sink heels <laughs> were Second to none. <laughs> Such a superpower to have, right? In the Camino, it was very, very handy, funny, handy.
0: Especially when you're staying in private rooms, you don't always have the setup that you have at the albergues for, for washing, hand washing and drying clothes and all that. Yeah. And then when you stay in private rooms, if it's time to put your clothes in a washing machine, it's it's a bit more expensive to do it at a hotel.
2: We stayed in private rooms in albergues, though, for most oh. for the most part. So maybe Great. that's the other thing that your listeners should know is that the albergues that have the shared dorms with bunk beds oftentimes have one or two private rooms. Not many, not many. But yeah. because we started booking in advance, we were able to grab those. So that was Great. that seemed like the you know a, a good compromise, so to speak.
0: That's a great compromise. Yeah. So what did you think of albergue life then?
2: It wasn't great for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I think that, you know, I expected them to be maybe more inviting Mm -hmm. and the, the facilities are stripped down to the bare minimum. The staff is not always really like happy to see the flow of pilgrims coming in and out. It's a high volume of people that they are accommodating on a daily basis. I would often ask them like, it's like this every day for you, isn't it? And, and it is. And you know, they're like, you're very happy to be here for a few hours. I'm here every day of every week of every month dealing with this very heavy work because it's typically the same staff that is making the beds, it's cleaning the rooms and bathrooms, it's doing the laundry, it's cooking the food, it's serving the tables. So I think the the experience of the albergues is like, listen, it's incredibly convenient. I tip my hat to them because they really put a lot of work into making everything ready for the pilgrims to show up. But what you get, in my experience, was really, you know, a very basic level of service.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and how about the price you're paying? How much those cost as compared to a hotel with, you know, nice reception and a bar and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, I was just gonna say, if you're on a, a budget, it's definitely the way to go.
0: Yeah, for sure. It reminds me too, to mention how important it is to respect the opening hours of the albergues, that when they say they open at two in the afternoon, leave them be until two, because they have so much work to do to get ready to reset they hit the reset button every single day to clean the facility get it set get it ready and then open to another batch of pilgrims yeah so those opening hours are are pretty important
1: yeah i found that the albergues were more welcoming of course cuz that's what they're designed for is to you know be hosts for the pilgrims in the some of the smaller towns there was a, a bit of a vibe of oh here come the pilgrims uh we actually had one situation where you know we didn't want to eat at the first bar in town so we went to the second bar and it was kind of tucked up in this corner of a of a square and we went upstairs and there was a large group of people who had just come from church and it was a big place and we you know cordoned ourselves over to the side because we knew that we weren't just coming from church and a local but they wouldn't even serve us they they didn't even come to the bar to ask us what we wanted that that was a very that only happened that once but there there's a kind of vibe at times where you feel like you're a nuisance and i can understand you know if you're on a ancient pilgrimage trail and thousands i think we looked at the app of the um website in uh, santiago of how many pilgrims a day come in it's like 2500 pilgrims a day yeah. Imagine that's a wave of people every single day that's going through these small towns. Now, granted, there were all the different caminos converging on Santiago, yeah. but a lot of people. And I can't, I can hardly blame them, but also it wasn't as pleasant for our experience to, to feel like we were invaders or intruders. Mm. You know.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's an interesting point to look at it from both perspectives right? So on the one hand, as Americans, we've come from a culture where customer service is required and the customer comes first. And so we come with that paradigm. And then the other perspective is the people serving the pilgrims, doing it day after day after day for thousands of people, many of whom don't speak the language, Many who I've witnessed, and and I know this is not you, but I've witnessed so many people who don't bother to say hello and good morning, who don't bother to learn the three words of Spanish for coffee and wine, and who come in and who are demanding. So for me, it raises the question of what is the pilgrim's role in all of this? How do we be good, gracious guests? And I know you, too. I watched you in action. You've got it. You've got that down.
2: I think that's a really good point, Nancy. You know, I would extend that to the trail. That was one of the heartbreaking aspects of the Camino for me was to see how much vandalism there is in the trail. People write their names in the signs. They take the, you know, the the shells that mark the trail home as, as souvenirs. They leave posters with whatever religious or political propaganda they want to spread, and notes for their friends that are coming behind. The very basic of like taking your trash with you. You see trash on the trail, and maybe you know it's a pledge from me. It's like treat the Camino as you would treat like a historical landmark, yeah. right? And and don't leave anything. Don't take anything. Uh, out in the trail so for sure in the albergues that courtesy but also i think in the in the trail at large for me it's it it was surprising i think if you go in the pilgrimage you're treating that as a sacred place and we didn't always see that being the case
1: and not to give the wrong impression it's not like a vandalized camino the whole way through but when you're walking and and you're you're looking at every single sign for directions and and whatnot and when it's disturbed you feel you i mean kind of vandalized yourself
0: yeah a little violated
1: we were there for a more of a without being religious spiritual experience definitely so i felt like we're going into a church or something sacred you know and one we approached it as that, and, as you said, a gracious guest I think is really important way to approach it, not, "Oh, I'm going to bring my friends and we're going to ride our bikes through the Camino." There's certain all kinds of energies, but for us, even the the moments that we found this uh, disrespect, it it was you know disturbing,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, totally. And the amount of graffiti has increased tremendously. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting when you talk about the spiritual experience. There's that challenge or that invitation for us to go within when the exterior is shaking us up. You know, whether it's the vandalism or graffiti or litter, whether it's the the weather that's pounding us with rain and we're soaking wet, whether it's walking on the motorway with all the semi trucks driving by there's that challenge to go within and say, you know, in spite of all these circumstances, what's the journey for me? So was that, was that on your radar at all? How did you bring in, how did you bring out the inner
1: journey? That was the single most difficult. Well, I mean, aside from the physical, because the physical was so demanding and it was very hard to go in and we're people who go in all the time and that's part of I think the looking back at the Camino in retrospect and finding that we, we somehow went inside whether it was breathing or meditation but that didn't really work so much for us because the physical was just it was about where you can eat where you can pee where you're going to sleep and how your your body feels. Mm. Right? It was all the exterior. And we kept, Andrea had a meditation that she would do. And I was working on a meditation through music uh, that I was r- writing. And our minds were cacophonous mm. in trying to escape the outside. If that makes sense. There was yeah. no peace inside. It was more, it was almost like the internal mantra or monologue that was going on was as loud as for me was as loud as what was going on outside physically
2: i agree not, not much to add that and i think i was aware of the the privilege that it was to be able to observe my mind mm. and to observe myself in that way right as much as the struggle was uh, was you know real to dedicate that kind of time, to have that amount of space, to have the support of someone like Jason in order to observe my mind like that was a true privilege that wasn't lost on me. Yeah. But, you know, and again, some of the guides or even the Wise Pilgrim app describes the Camino as, oh, the first third is physical, the second third of the Camino, Francaise, right? like the Saint-Jean-Pierre de Porto, Santiago journey. The first third would be more physical about the body. The second third of the Camino is about expanding the mind and that openness of the mind. And the last third would be more about your soul and about that spiritual, you know, maybe enlightenment or insight. I didn't experience it that way. It was physical all the way through mm. <laughs> with my mind screaming, right? Yeah. And I think the that personal growth was very reliant on on the resiliency and the persistence that i already knew that i had in myself to get through. So
0: again we all bring who we are. I I actually I wear this this necklace that says no matter where you go there you are. And that is so true on the camino because you went on the camino Andrea. Jason, you went, all of who you are, went on the Camino and had the experience that you were to have, which is part of why no one, even though we think we know what the Camino is and what the experience will be, we don't until we have it.
2: I love that, uh, you know, that phrase and, and the way I was putting it. to to Jason and then shared with friends and family is like the Camino puts a magnifying glass on your personality traits, the good ones and the bad ones. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end, like Santiago had this very cute souvenir shop and we allowed ourselves to shop in Santiago because we hadn't bought any souvenirs like all along that to add weight to the backpack. But we threw our shoes away and bought new shoes And then I saw this uh, tote bag that said, I came looking for answers and the Camino changed my questions.
0: Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I got chills on that one, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. One of the things I got were were bigger questions where I realized the ones I've been asking weren't important enough.
2: They weren't. Right.
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. so here's the here's the big question. If you were to go do it again, which you've given me no indication that you are, but I'm, you know, <laughs> <kidding those. laughs> what would you do differently?
1: We would have to, if we were to do the whole trip that we did from beginning to end of the Camino Frances, it would be to give us ourselves much more time mm-hmm. so that we can take those zero days and take two or three and stay in a, in a town and maybe skip the Meseta this time. <laughs>
0: Why would you skip the meseta?
1: Well, I think it was un- it's unfair for us to really judge it because we got sick right before the meseta. And then when we got out there, it, we were, you know, just trying to get through. And uh, one stretch, oh, my God, I'm just like getting not good chills thinking about it. We stayed in a, what do you call?
2: Casa um, Rural?
1: they made us sandwiches to take along and and some water for the for the next day because we weren't going to have breakfast and thank god because there was nothing for it seemed like we were out there for four or five hours no shade there was one tree that we ran across and then there was this cinder block like bunker it was like an old shed that had a window blown out and no door And we went in there to eat because there was shade, but it was kind of like going into an oven that did doors open. It's not really any better than being out in the sun. We sat there and thought this can't get any worse. And then we continued on our journey. And then it was just as long as we had walked in the morning. So it's just the exposure to it all. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful in its barren. You can't really even see a mountain off in the distance. It's so flat. And I, I appreciate that. But given our circumstances, it was rough. Yes. And therefore, we might just, like, take a cab next time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I skipped the meseta on my first Camino. And then when I finally did get to walk it, I fell in love with it. There's Oh, just, yeah? Yeah, especially in the springtime when it's green. and And it's just green rolling hills in every direction and fields of red poppies, which, if it's raining, you don't see because your head's down and you're just trudging along. And if you aren't feeling well and all you want is to finish the day, like any day on the Camino, like any day in life, just get it done. I don't even want to participate in what I'm doing. I'm just going to do it. So what else would you do differently? Andrea, anything you'd like to chime in on?
2: Now, this this would be the, the, first, uh, the first thing I would change. It's just more time if you're going to do the full Camino. Uh, so you can have shorter days and you can have zero kilometer days. Or if you can't afford to take more time, don't do the full Camino. Even though I think that if we had not done the full Camino Frances, I personally would have been left wondering what it would have been like. You know, to do it. Now I know. (laughs) But if it's important for you to do the whole thing and you don't have more time, maybe do it in chunks. We met a lot of people who did, you know, a segment years ago and then came back last year and they're back now. I think, you know, we talked about shipping the backpacks. Mm -hmm. That would be maybe something else I would consider, especially. If our bags were heavier, then we we managed to get them to be. I, and I already mentioned, you know, staying in the in private rooms for us made a big difference yeah. instead of staying in in uh, the shared dorms.
0: Jason, anything else for you?
1: No, I think that's exactly it. we're up on what we would do differently and i think if if there was a camino in our you know future it would be something like the portuguese that's shorter maybe uh, different you know it's a, a, mostly in portugal and and uh, maybe going along the coast would provide different uh, opportunities for for food although i know that that accommodations maybe are a little more challenging than on the frances because it's so so popular but overall I- really, I'm glad that we did it. We wanted to give a sort of a fair balance of of our experience because oftentimes people romanticize and it's so easy. You watch The Way and you go, oh, that that looks easy and fun. And why not have a big loaf (laughs) of bread and some meat and wine as you're, but that's unrealistic. And you do, like you said, you don't know what it's like to walk day after day until you're doing it. It's not like, oh, I walked three times this week and I did five miles each. That's great. But you got to do it every single day. And there's no reason to do it every single day because that would be crazy yeah. <laughs> in your own life. But the things that we have reflected on now that we've gotten back, things that we saw, Andrea was talking about the wild animals, We had I had like three significant moments that Later on, I kind of looked up, what what is the meaning of this particular animal? It's not like there's a bunch of wild animals either running around. It was, it was scarce, but we did see about a six-foot, seven-foot snake that was about as big as my arm uh, that had been hit by a car and was dying in the middle of the road just outside of um, Estella. It was extraordinary in that seeing that happen and it just being... We didn't see the car, but we saw this snake dying, like in the throes of, of death. And we just wow. had compassion, no fear. But it was it looked like a large truck tire rolled, you know, kind of coiled up in the middle of the road. What that meant when I unpacked it for me in this particular point of my life, all the stork nests just everywhere in the spring. It's Andrea's like, there's another one in your stork nests, and I take a picture. I have like a million stork nests. <laughs> what that signifies in spirituality for people who are into animal meanings in symbolism, and then a wild boar coming out of the wood, out of the forest at one point, you know, these things just kind of, oh my God, this is happening. Oh, isn't that beautiful? And you keep walking, you just keep going. And then when you, when we had an opportunity to reflect on it, oh, for me, this means, this can mean this, what the journey was for us in our relationship. It was all unpacking afterwards. So it's it's tough going, but the reward for me is, has been really significant.
2: And on a more practical note, you know, the implied answer in, in what we would change is also that I think we got a lot of things right. You know, we got the gear right. We didn't have a single blister. One tip that like we would share with other pilgrims that surprised a lot of them, we brought almond oil for our feet, so almond after sho- yeah, after the shower, you just put a little very one small drum. one one or two drops of almond oil in your feet and that hydrates, and you know really, I think it was miraculous for us. It really helped, yeah, but we had you know our shoes were comfortable, we had proper layers to warm up but that weren't heavy so i think a lot of the things that we got right you know we would do again yeah (laughs) yeah well you know
0: it's interesting as i observe people preparing for the camino and especially in the facebook groups and online forums people are asking what do i pack what gear do i need what's the best sleeping bag what kind of trekking poles but imagine if we spent as much time on what kind of experience do I want to have, how do I plan for the physical, mental, and emotional challenge of walking the Camino and take those questions as seriously as what shoes do I wear, then I think we, um, we open up some possibilities. And it won't be the same for everyone because you both asked a lot of those questions and you had the experience you had. And the next person has the experience that they had. And yeah, I have, I think, three more pilgrims who I'm going to talk to who are in in season two. And I'm going to talk to them to hear about their experiences for this season. And I'm just, I'm so curious to hear. I bet it will be just completely different because everybody gets a different experience.
1: Yes. Yeah, but I think that's, you're, you're exactly right, Nancy, is that we spend so much time thinking of what shoes what hat what backpack do I need a water bladder or not and the answer for me is no you don't need the water bladder <laughs> just take a bottle of water there'll be plenty of time to fill it up but we and we're not preparing ourselves and and again and not to sound whatever this sounds like we have already done a lot of in, internal work so we thought we were prepared and really nothing prepares you for a true pilgrimage yeah. And and maybe that's for the best. But I think it's good to prepare yourself that it's the experience isn't just about what you're wearing and what you're eating and where you'll, you know, it's about what you hope to get from it, I guess.
0: I think of it, My my favorite analogy is when you're getting married and you plan the wedding and you spend all this time planning the wedding and the reception and all the details and forget to talk about the marriage and what happens after you know and so watching you two as a couple back when we first met and then finding out in St. John that you'd gotten engaged and all of that you know i just watch you you had the experience that you had but you're getting from it what you're getting from it which is the good stuff yeah and i think that's the time and the effort and the energy and the love that you put into it is allowing you to get Get some really great stuff out of was, what wasn't a beautiful walking holiday. You know, yay, we went to the beach.
2: Yeah, definitely leave some days when you get back to rest and recover because it is no restful vacation.
0: It's not.
1: Yeah. It's you not. a vacation from the, from the pilgrimage. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> I think true. that's absolutely true, which is why some people choose to spend an extra week in Spain and maybe go to the coast or... If they love cities, spend some time in Madrid, or go down to Portugal. Yeah, yeah. I think these are things worth thinking about before you go if you have the luxury of time.
1: Yeah, we ran, and when we got back, I had already dove into a work project that I had, and we ran into one of our Camino friends at this event at Tanglewood in, in Western Massachusetts, and she was saying that another person that we had had dinner with and stayed Had a couple dinners with, she was still in Portugal. Uh-huh. You know, this was like two, two and a half weeks later. We might as well, you're over there and you have to rest up. Definitely. It's-
0: but rest days and rest days are challenging. Zero kilometer days are challenging for another reason because you meet people. A lot of people build a little mini community moving along the Camino. And if you take a rest day and they don't, then you've just lost them.
2: That's a good point. And also, of course, you know, it makes the trip longer. It, it, I missed home. Yeah. I was ready to come back home too. So, you know, yeah. there is the, that uh, conflicting emotion that you want to, in a way, you want the experience to last for as long as it possibly can. And there is a side of you that's just ready to come back.
0: Absolutely. Which is why we asked, not just how long does it take, but how long do you want to spend? Because you might not want a month or two months. You might want two weeks. Yeah. Again, getting back to how do you have the experience that you are longing for? All right. So anything else that you would like to share?
1: I'm not sure how this fits in, but the cyclists, I don't want to be be prejudiced against any group, but boy, the cyclists are really a challenge to deal with on the Camino. Mm -hmm. I know they're on their own journey it just sometimes it feels so invasive of any sort of piece that you're looking for and they use buen camino almost as a like a sharp elbow to get you out of the way buen camino you're like oh okay
0: (laughs) wow like a sharp elbow that's a a good way to put it (laughs) there's a safety issue too when Mm -hmm. you're when you're walking with a backpack and
2: and bikers on e-bikes talk about another super it's like okay because when you are in a you know a mechanical bike or whatever like a, a traditional bike you don't fly through certain terrains or you know
1: at high speeds yeah
2: high speeds on those e-bikes yeah that was challenging
0: i think what we all wish is that they would not be on the trail itself that there would be some sort of norm that says yeah there's someplace else but in the meantime i think about the only thing we can do is maybe just not wear earbuds or airpods. We so you can did. hear. the sense of hearing is so important when you've got bikes around you and you've got car traffic around you. Mm-hmm. Big safety issue,
1: yeah, yeah, we had an interesting experience, in and I can't remember what town we were going into. Maybe you'll remember Andrea, but um it was like a small, village meaning just a couple of houses and a and a barn and we turned the corner and there was a string just from one like rock wall that looped over to this building and we're like what we all were kind of backing up and stopping and waiting just like what is this string all about and all of a sudden this old lady starts to shush these cows out of this barn and it was a parade of cattle that were going down the camino about you know 100 yards to the field to graze for the day and it had been raining it was muddy and then we ended up because we'd been waiting for you know about 15 minutes for these cows to get out of the barn then she pulled string down we walked behind these cows and they just kept crapping and we couldn't tell what was mud and what was cow crap and <laughs> and we're like wow we are really in it and you're we, in it <laughs> when we got to the town the woman who was uh, at the uh, albergue she was standing next to an outdoor slop sink with a hose and big brushes i was like ah you know exactly what to expect where, where
2: we're coming from that was right before uh villa franca del birzo
0: ah okay
2: <laughs> very muddy No, i think we covered a lot those were really the the highlights you know
0: highlights and lowlights.
2: I yeah. went to I went to the, the the thing about back to the to the souvenir tote bag I got that said I went looking for answers and the Camino changed my questions. For me, one of such questions that got shifted was the idea of like the purpose of life or, or my purpose as a you know individual in this life and the, the legacy I want to leave behind or the meaning, you know, that I want to, to focus on for my existence in this, you know, in this lifetime. That's
0: a that's a really big question.
2: Big, big question. And I was <laughs> like, I, I really hoped that I would come back with more insight into that, with more clarity around that, with more inspiration to guide me forward. And the inspiration and guidance I got came from the snails, <laughs> from the cows, from the birds and butterflies, and from the trees, from the sun rising every morning and setting at night and the rain and the heat of the day. And it's just like, I feel like I don't need that meaning anymore. Or oh. that the the search for that purpose has been at least put to rest for a little while. <laughs> And I just really feel very lucky to open my eyes and have the opportunity for another day. Whatever the day brings, it's kind of like, wow, that's magical enough, isn't it? It's a miracle. And to to be so close to the cycles of nature and observing it directly without any filter and my body being a part of that.
0: What a privilege. Yeah. I love that. All right. Last question. How did it feel to walk into Santiago de Compostela?
2: So I'll say, first of all, we had a very rainy morning. Uh So we did push the last, in the last five days, so from like Saria to Santiago, we pushed ourselves over 25, close to 30 kilometers for four days, so that the last day leading into Santiago was a short five-hour walk. (laughs) and that wow. 5 hour walk was under torrential rain pretty much non stop when we <laughs> it, was awful. it was awful and you cross a significant amount of city of suburbs before you get to the plaza right? right and as we are approaching the plaza and the famous arch where that you go under the sun came out i kid you not it was <laughs> biblical the clouds <laughs> dissipated sunshine on us and then the bagpipes started to play and it was noon on the dot so the church bells started you know ringing <laughs> full speed it felt no kidding like a biblical moment you <laughs> <laughs> walk into that plaza
1: the only thing missing was a chorus singing the hallelujah chorus it really Messiah. was
0: Uh, (laughs) do you want to do you want to sing that now
1: (laughs) (laughs) i have it in my head just screaming
2: (laughs) we just uh we just dropped our backpacks and sat down on the floor on the ground watching the cathedral and i was most grateful for jason like what overwhelmed me was his companionship and his love and just like wow we did it You did
0: it together.
2: We did it together.
1: Now let's get these shoes off and into a burn pile somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and
0: where's the spa? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: When we went to to um get our compostela and you know register that we oh, finished this. It it was very quick. I was so glad. It was it was a Sunday. It was noon and we walked in and walked right up to a person And they're like, here you go. And we're like, oh, that's it. It was really quick.
0: They've automated it. So did you register before you got to the office?
1: We knew the night before from our host at the Albergi. And it didn't really seem to matter because we just walked right in without anybody in front of us. But great. Yeah, that's good to know that you do. It's good to register before you get there.
0: Yes. And then because it's printed by a printer instead of a human now, they've got it in the queue. So as soon as you arrive and say, I'm here, they've got it. They print the print button and you're done. It's very efficient. They used to handwrite your name in, which was very, very sweet as well, but cool. All right. Well, last call. Anything else you'd like to say?
2: It's a big thanks to you. Yes, yeah, so you know. I said before. I'll say it again. Meeting you was a great highlight of the Camino experience, and your support and guidance, information, just absolutely was a huge part of how we experienced this, and very helpful.
0: It was my pleasure.
2: Keep doing what you're doing, like <laughs> just really providing a great service to the pilgrims.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I All really the best. Come that. visit
2: us in the Berkshire sometime. I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> love to. And thanks for listening to us, you know, recounting our story.
1: I love it. I think,
0: I think my listeners will want to hear it as well. Yeah,
1: we hope so. Because that was what it was important aspect that I think we weren't quite getting before we left. And, and without being a downer, we wanted to just be realistic about sharing.
0: Yeah, it's a pilgrimage. It's not a beach holiday. No. And by the way, it's more than 30 days long. I get, you know, people, a lot of people could go walk for eight hours today, but could you do it for 30 days? That's a whole different (laughs) that's some that's something completely different.
1: It is. It is.
0: So when you start to train for it, you first have to ask the question, what am I training for?
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What am I packing for? What am I preparing for? And in many cases, we won't know until we get there. That's part of the journey. So honestly, no matter how much you plan and prepare. You're still going on the mystery tour.
2: You're discovering a lot of new information every day about yourself, about the environment you're in. Yeah.
1: And you don't want to hear that going out because I, I, you had said that in some other podcasts, you just, you can't, you can only do so much preparing and then you just have to go. And I was like, okay, well, that doesn't help me. I still really need to know. Is it, (laughs) you know, what kind of socks? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, And yeah. So try a few and, Go walk. It took me. It took me a decade to get my shoes right. Yeah, my and my feet always hurt. So that's part of the Camino.
1: Yep. Yes. Exactly.
2: You can't can't avoid that. Yeah.
1: That's what we got. That's right. Well, thank you, Nick. It was
2: lovely seeing you and talking to you. Take care. Be in touch. Okay.
0: Okay. You too.
2: Bye. Bye.